Hey listeners, producer Andrew here. Just a quick update on today's episode. We had some technical difficulties getting started, but it gets much better if you just bear with us for about five minutes. We apologize, and I hope you enjoy the show. Thanks. This episode of the Protagonist Podcast is brought to you by Spencer and Jane. Thank you, Spencer and Jane. If you would like to become a sponsor of the Protagonist Podcast, please visit protagonistpodcast.com and click on the Patreon link. Thank you. And oh, I've, just, I've just butchered this. I'm, I'm so disgusted with myself. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Protagonist Podcast. I'm Joseph Drowski here with Todd Mack, and each week we'll look at a great character in a great story. Today we're talking about Lucy Ricardo from the I Love Lucy episode, Lucy Does a TV Commercial. This episode, the 30th of the first season, was directed by Mark Daniels and written by Jess Oppenheimer, Madeline Davis, and Bob Carroll Jr. It originally aired on May 5th, 1952, and Lucy Ricardo was played, of course, by the great Lucille Ball. Uh, so in 1997, TV Guide named this episode as the second best episode of television behind Chuckles Bites Dust, uh, which we've already talked about. In 2012, I Love Lucy was voted the best show of all time in a survey done by ABC News and People Magazine, so it has some enduring uh, popularity. Uh, Lucille Ball is as notable in entertainment history for her behind-the-scenes roles as her starring role in the series. She was nominated for 13 Emmy Awards and won four times. And she and her husband, uh, Desi Ar- Arnaz, or, I've always heard it said Arnaz, but... I believe it's pronounced Arnath. Okay. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> well, they founded uh, Desilu Studios in the 1950s. And De- Desi Arnaz uh, plays her husband in the in the TV series. Uh, and besides I Love Lucy, Desilu Productions would, or studios would produce series such as Mission Impossible, Star Trek, and The Untouchables. And in the 1960s, Lucy Oval would become the first woman to head up a major production studio when she was uh, made president of Desilu. Awesome. So, uh, Joseph, how did you come to I Love Lucy and maybe this episode in particular? I have not seen terribly many episodes of I Love Lucy. I am kind of familiar with it as being a very significant series in the history of television, but I have seen this episode multiple times because it was often on. <laughs> I think this is how I came to the Chuckles by the Dust episode as well. It was on the rotation in Nick at Night whenever they do marathons of the best episodes of the series from, you know, the 50s, 60s, and 70s that they had, they would often do, like, top 10, you know, best episodes. And the Vitamin of Edgeman episode uh, is what I always thought of it as, um, is w- was always in the rotation, and same with Chuckles Bites Dust. So that's how I saw those two episodes. And since I've been studying popular culture, I've read a lot more <laughs> about I Love Lucy and Lucille Ball, and I've had some students who have done some presentations on the series as well. So I've learned a lot more, and I continue to learn more about it. And I probably should go back and watch even more episodes of I Love Lucy than I have. Uh, what about you, Todd? Well, our family... Um, so the the, ch- the channel uh, in my house was pretty much all the time on the PBS stations. Um, and so uh, when I would turn the TV on, it would be on a PBS station... Um, I would t- put on a movie, the movie would end, the the VCR would stop, <laughs> and I would be back on the TV and it would be on a PBS station. Um, so I Love Lucy just sort of was, along with shows like Little House on the Prairie and Perry Mason, just sort of like there. I mean, it just seemed to be on a lot. I don't, uh, I have never sat down to think, oh, I really want to watch I Love Lucy right now. Um, it just it just was on, and so I've seen bits and pieces of lots of different episodes. Um, was never I, mean, I always thought it was funny, but it, it hasn't been an object of study or um, 
or even like it doesn't hold a particularly special place in my heart. Uh, and so, but, uh, but when we were talking about great characters and great stories and TV and sort of picking from different time periods in TV, it just was a natural choice. So, and this particular episode, uh, you recommended it when we talked about doing I Love Lucy and I trust your judgment. And so I watched it and laughed my head off all by myself in my office <laughs> today. It's fantastic. So, I think you, uh, you checked a couple lists of best I Love Lucy episodes and this yeah. was it. This was mentioned in all of them, just to make sure we were picking a good one, because yeah, yeah. I was just kind of going from, from memory of what was on Nick at Night. Yeah, and I'm totally uh, blown away that the two TV episodes that we picked are number one and number two on the 1997 list of greatest TV episodes of all time. Turns out Nick at Night knew what they were doing when they were ranking those episodes, and <laughs> I happen to remember them. <laughs> turned out. Turns out. Um, I found uh, a little while back, I was working on a project about Cold War uh, television. It was for a conference, and I was specifically looking at The Adventures of Superman TV series, but in my research I read a couple books dealing with uh, television in the 1950s and 60s, and one of them is called Cold War, Cool Medium, uh, Television, McCarthyism, and American Culture, and it's by a guy named Thomas Doherty, and he has a section that's just on I Love Lucy, and he had this... uh, at the start of it, I really like this line. He says, In a decade misremembered as all white bread homogeneity, male dominance, and stately decorum, the first breakout television show was brazenly multicultural, emphatically female-driven, and loopily anarchic. Lucy Ricardo and Ricky Ricardo, zany redhead and hot-blooded Latin, corn-fed girl and exotic spice, wild woman and straight man. In episode after episode, Lucy's will to, uh, will to power deflated Ricky's faux machismo. No wonder feminist critics have embraced I Love Lucy as a concave window into blinkered options of the 1950s female, the repressed housewife kept under lock and key like a medieval princess, chained in a tower by an evil ogre. Lucille Ball, Lucille Ball, let down your red hair. <laughs> That's awesome. But yeah, it's... Uh, it's interesting because we, when you think about 1950s television, like our go-to is kind of the father knows best, leave it to Beaver kind of just white picket fence um, situ- situation comedies, and this one is all over the place. And it it, it uh, blazed some other trails. So besides having the the Cuban male lead married to to uh, Lucille Ball, uh, this was also the first show that had a major storyline about pregnancy, which was very taboo. In fact, huh. they were not able to say the word pregnant on television. <laughs> uh, Lucille Ball was, was, like, the actress was pregnant with uh, her first child, and they were going to write it into the the sitcom, and they had to get permission <laughs> from several religious organizations before the network would let them deal with pregnancy. Uh, but they only would say the word expecting. that <laughs> She was expecting. She was not pregnant. That is interesting. Yeah. So, um, so do you get the impression that, I mean, do we were under the impression that this was pretty, I mean, was it, cause now I, like we look at it and it's just old classic TV, but at it, its time it was, did people see it as really groundbreaking and subversive and I don't know that it was maybe even like transgressive or something or cause I don't know. It, I mean, it wasn't like a cult, you know, hidden to the side thing. This was the phenomenon on television. It was the most watched TV show. Right, but like, would our grandparents have been like, "Oh my gosh, this is horrible," or, or you know, if they were here today, would they be saying, "I can't believe you're talking about all those that like horrible uh, transgressive TV no, show"? Because this was I very, Lucy. It was very mainstream. It's just it's interesting because it is an outlier to how we tend to think of 1950s culture. But it, this was the mainstream. I think the episode that we're talking about was watched by almost 70 percent of all televisions. Wow, were were viewing uh, the Vitamina Benjamin episode. It's interesting to think about um, if that if 
Is there is there another like analogous situation that we could look at where something that's mainstream that's seen by seventy percent of people is seen as like breakthrough, um, you know, changing the way that people see things? I think Mash might be because I mean that Mash is <laughs> I don't know if it still is, but it was always the answer to any Trivial Pursuit question about viewership. The answer was the Mash finale. <laughs> <laughs> Mash is another one that we need to talk about yeah. probably on this podcast at some point. And so I think it, I'm wondering about it's, something like Modern Family. Oh, maybe. Yeah, where it's it's simultaneously mainstream but uh, breaking from uh, tradition. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, it's just it's an interesting thing to think about um, because we usually think of uh, things that break molds like that as being seen as like ultra subversive and. Uh, maybe fringe at the time, and then and then gradually gain acceptance. Or yeah, it's looked back on, and we recognize how you know how different it really was. But it's something like a Modern Family. I think everyone who's watching it knows how different this is from the sitcoms that had come before. Right. Uh, but it's still you know one of the most popular shows on television. Yeah, I don't know. I think it's interesting. Did you know that uh, Lucille Ball was brought up in front of uh, Huac? Uh, no, but this was one of the only instances. So they they interviewed her, but then they made a public statement saying, "There's nothing wrong. She has no communist ties." <laughs> they, she was so popular that they were scared of the public turning on Huac because they were targeting Lucille Ball. It why seems, don't you explain? Why don't you explain for our audience uh, briefly what Huac is? It was the House Un-American Activities Committee. Uh, it's what we generally associate with McCarthyism and the blacklist in Hollywood was uh, people who were being accused of having communist ties. And I would imagine, though I I don't know enough to say this, but I would imagine it's because she was married to a Cuban. Uh, a Cuban. And <laughs> you would imagine one would one, that, one may suspect that that is that what being married to a Cuban <laughs> to be uh, concerned if she had any communist ties. But then uh, again, this is one of the only times where the Huac, after interviewing someone, because even being interviewed by them could uh, could cause someone to lose employment in Hollywood. Because uh, the studios were so scared of anti-communist sentiment being targeted at their actors or their their writers, um, you know, even having it whispered that you might be associated with communism might cause you to be blacklisted uh, within the industry. And so after they talked to Lucille Ball, they they publicly said she's clean. There's nothing, <laughs> you know, there, there's there's nothing wrong because she was so popular. It talks about um, her her baby's birth. Uh, in some ways overshadowed the presidential election uh, wow. of Eisenhower uh, in, in terms of fighting for 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 new space. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. Oh, and this uh, another little bit of trivia before we get into this episode. Uh, this episode provided the... It, it, it's one of the most famous and most popular episodes of, of I Love Lucy, and recently there's been some controversy uh, about her, her hometown and a statue of Lucille Ball there. Have you heard about this, Todd? Um, the answer to that, you can just assume that the answer to do did you know is uh, probably no. So, but no, I don't know what to uh, tell me. In like the last month, this has happened that in her hometown in New York, I can't remember the name of this the city where she's from. They they have a bronze statue of Lucille Ball that's been there for a few years, and recently a petition has gone viral of them saying this looks nothing like Lucille Ball, Lucille Ball and it's kind of frightening to look at the face on the statue. We want it redone. <laughs> is it her vitamin to vegetable? It, it is her holding. It, she's pouring vitamin to vegetable into a spoon, oh. 
Uh, and if you, you can look online, I'm sure we'll have it in the show notes. We will get this in the show notes. It does not look like Lucille Ball, <laughs> the statue. <laughs> and the person who started the petition is like very nice. They're like, I don't want to disparage this artist, you know, the, the sculptor's work. I like many of his other pieces, but this does not resemble Lucille Ball. And it's actually <laughs> frightening to children to look at this. <laughs> and we would like a better likeness of Lucille Ball <laughs> That's awesome. as the statue in our city. So this, this very episode has been in recent news. Wow, fantastic. So would you like to give us a sort of spoiler-free synopsis of what is I Love Lucy in general and then what's going on in this episode specifically? Yeah, I Love Lucy uh, is a sitcom that ran, I, I think, as half-hour episodes for about five years, and then there were a series of one-hour specials that kind of carried it on with uh, Lucy uh, and her husband, Ricky. Uh, her husband, Ricky, uh, works as a singer and uh, has kind of a, a television variety show it um and she she's a housewife but she gets into all sorts of crazy adventures and in some ways it's the classic kind of domestic sitcom where it's about the home life but in other ways it is you know anything but that because of uh lucy's crazy adventures and this particular episode she desperately wants to do a television commercial for a new product that is going to be sponsoring one of her husband's uh special broadcasts and the product is called vitamita vegemin which it's called that because it has all the vitamins, minerals, meat, and vegetables that yeah, all of that packed into one tasty spoonful. And, uh, and she connives her way into becoming the spokesperson and trying to film this commercial. And it is definitely worth watching in much of the way the Chuckles Bites the Dust episode, like built to the single scene, which the comedic acting of Mary Tyler Moore just is something to behold and it's worth watching the episode to see Mary Tyler Moore try and prevent herself from laughing during Chuckles the Clown's funeral. And this one, you need to just watch this episode and watch as Lucille Ball <laughs> tries to be the spokesperson for this product. As mayhem ensues. Uh, it's fantastic. So if that sounds interesting to you, uh, you can check out our show notes. I love Lucy. I think I love Lucy was streaming like two weeks ago, but it's not right now on Netflix. Is that they change them usually at the start or end of a month, so that may be the case. I don't know for sure. Yeah, they may have dropped it like just now, but uh, it is streaming on Amazon Prime. So if you have Amazon Prime, you can watch this. Uh, it's also, I think, available on YouTube. <laughs> I can confirm so, that this episode is available on YouTube. In there is in full. there is that, uh, but we'll have notes and uh, we'll have links in our show notes to where you can pick that up. Um, and this is, you can also probably hunt it down on most of your PBS. Stations. This is absolutely worth watching. Um, it's 20 minutes and you will not regret it. It's, it's uh, very funny. Um, so I'll give a, uh, what should be <laughs> a brief plot synopsis. We're not very really um, good at being brief with our plot synopses. Right. But considering the whole entire show is only 25 minutes long, we should be able to pull this out in fewer than 25 minutes. So here we go. So as uh, Joe mentioned, Ricky works on TV. He's an entertainer, variety show singer, um, and he's going to do a show, and they need somebody to do a little commercial during the show. Uh, Lucy overhears Ricardo, Ricky talking about this, uh, and so she begs him, please, please, please let me be the spokesperson for this uh, commercial. He refuses. Uh, she has no experience. <laughs> He says, you have no experience. And she says, I have lots of experience. Uh, and uh, so anyway, he leaves. Um, she's very angry. He comes back. In the, in the meantime, Lucy has been uh, visiting with her, or, uh, her friend Fred. Um, and Fred has 
uh, agreed to have Ricky uh, turn on the TV when he gets home. Um, and Lucy has uh, taken out the TV part. So they have one of these old TV boxes. It's not a flat panel, <laughs> everyone. Yes, this is not a flat screen TV. It's a big old box like we used to have down in my basement. Um, and so she's taken out the whole part that's a TV, and now she's inside of the box. So they lift up the lift. So when uh, Fred says, "Oh, let's turn on the TV," and they turn it on, and this sheet comes up, and Lucy is inside of the box, and she's trying to do this TV commercial. Um, and Ricky is, uh, is kind of frustrated with this, so he walks over and plugs the plug in on the TV, and the TV blows up <laughs> behind Lucy, um, and she's very angry at him. Uh, and then he says, well, now we have to put the TV, just slide the TV back in the box. And she says, oh, it, uh, it slides out. And it turns out that Lucy has taken the TV apart piece by piece, uh, which makes uh, Ricky furious. So he's mad at her. She's mad at him. Uh, she's not talking to him. Um, and so uh, because they're not speaking to each other the next morning, Ricky asks Fred if he will take a call. There's going to be a call. Somebody's going to call about... Uh, about the commercial, it's um, and so Fred is supposed to give this person the the directions of where and when to to go to film the thing. Uh, Lucy overhears this; uh, she kind of saunters into the room and uh, tells Fred that she'll take the call. Um, it's really no trouble at all. And so Fred leaves, and then Lucy tells the person, "Oh, we found somebody else to do it." She shows up later that day uh, at the t- at the studio. And it turns out that the product that she is supposed to be uh, selling is called Vitamina Vegemin. As Joe mentioned, it's a it's a tonic, a health tonic, uh, which contains vitamins, meat, vegetables, and minerals. Um, and what Lucy and the director don't know is that this tonic contains 23% alcohol, uh, which would make it, in effect, a 46-proof spiritus liquor, um, which is pretty strong stuff. Uh, so, you know, maybe if you took one, one, uh, uh, spoonful of this a day, it, you would be okay. But, um, uh, the director proceeds to, uh, uh, instruct Lucy, uh, to do this scene over and over and over again. So she keeps drinking more and more of this tonic, um, and she becomes more and more intoxicated and, um, and it's just, uh, it's just fantastic. Her physical acting is really <laughs> something. Well, and the dialogue is, uh, the, the copy that she's supposed to be reading just get, you know gets more and more mangled the more that right. she drinks this. It's fantastic. And her, it's really her, her line delivery great. is fantastic. It's 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 just perfect, like comedic genius, um, like you don't see every day. So at first it's it's horrible. It tastes horrible, but the more that she drinks it, the more that she <laughs> really like it. By the end, she's just guzzling, guzzling it straight out of the bottle. So uh, Ricky comes on and sees her um, and tells her to go away. Uh, she, I think he sees her before she gets drunk. Um, and she says, no, we have to do it because, or the director says, well, we have to do it. She's here. There's nobody else to do it. The show's going to be in just a little bit. So Ricky says, fine, but don't blow it. Then she gets drunk. Um, and, and so they, they send her off into a back room to rest. Uh, the show then comes on. Ricky comes out. This is live TV. He does his little introduction thing and then breaks out into this song called El Relicario. Um, and so Ricky's singing his song. Uh, Lucy stumbles back on stage. Uh, just completely uh, slammed. Uh, 
slobbering drunk. <laughs> and she wanders she wanders into the into the camera shot behind Ricky and he's trying to finish his song and maintain any kind of dignity as she's kind of singing along with him drunkenly and the episode ends. Yeah. And that's it. <laughs> There was a uh, a scene that was cut for time that was in the original script where the they had the next day and she was has the worst hangover ever, <laughs> <laughs> but they they cut that for time. Uh, so um, so how do we how do we attack this now, well, Joseph? Uh, one final bit of trivia, I guess, before we start talking about this. Uh, in the version that you watched, I don't know where you streamed it from. Did the uh, when she's in the TV, did she start advertising cigarettes? Yes. Okay. Yeah, they were uh, Philip Morris cigarettes, I believe. Yes, that was cut from syndication for decades. You would not see her really? talking about cigarettes, but it is on the DVDs, and I think most syndicated has now returned. I saw it, it on uh, Amazon Prime. Okay. Yeah, so it's, it's been returned to the gut, but uh, for for a very long time, if you were just catching on the PBS station or you know WGN or whatever station was was doing syndication. Uh, you would not have seen her start by <laughs> advertising for Philip Morris cigarettes, which I mean, there was. In the fifties, cigarettes were sponsoring everything. Like there were, there was the cam- right. the Camel News Hour <laughs> was one of the most popular <laughs> popular uh, news news shows. So, uh, you know, it wasn't out of place in the time, but <laughs> can, if, for a contemporary audience, it seems a little odd. Where, okay. where we're not used to seeing cigarette ads at all, I guess. Yeah, that's true. I was surprised when I, I was like, "Is she holding a a box?" Yeah, a that, they, they were sponsoring everything under the sun. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, well different times. Yes. <laughs> Um, Lucy, I guess, uh, <laughs> she's such a fabulous character and you just have to strap in and go with the loopiness that, <laughs> that she brings to she's it. so crazy. Yeah. She's so, uh, scheming and her relationship with her husband is one of those that you see in some sitcoms where it is simultaneously antagonistic, but you know, they're always going to love each other. Yeah. Um, which it's. <laughs> it, it, it's we've mentioned this with a few of them is it's a balance that's hard to strike but they do it very well in the yeah. in the series one of those delicate uh things that if it goes too far or one way or the other it's 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 not believable and i mean so much of the show is just broad comedy that it's it's not meant to be believable but within the universe they're building they need to strike the right tone and i think they do a really good job of that i absolutely agree we usually start by talking about moments that we like for this protagonist um <laughs> And this is, as is the case with um, these older television shows, uh, it's a really simple plot line. Um, there's no subplots there, at all. It's just the A line. There are, right, there are no subplots. It's completely self-contained. Um, it's pretty simple. We have maybe one, I'm trying to think, one, two, three, maybe four, four like, scene, scene changes. Mm-hmm. I mean, we have two scenes. We have the house and the, and the studio. But even inside of that, there's, you know, there's like the afternoon. So there's a first conversation, then the afternoon, um, and then the next the day, night, or then the night they're mad at each other. And then the next day, and then they're at the studio. Mm-hmm. So moments that stand, I, I, moments that stand out to you specifically. Um, there's a few early on where she gets like little bits of physical comedy where you can see, uh, her skill in delivering the lines in the moments, uh, you see why she was a famous comedian. Uh, like at the beginning has this silly joke about darning socks. 
where <laughs> where she says, you, you know, darning socks isn't so hard if you have, uh, was it a model or a guide? You know, the, a, the, a darning egg. A darning egg, yeah. So she's got this egg in the sock, but then she holds it up and she realizes that she's sewn the top of the, the sock shut and sewn the, the darning egg into it. Uh, but the way she delivers the line, I mean, it's not the greatest comedic moment in history when you hear that <laughs> set up, but the way she delivers the line, you can't help but laugh. <laughs> Yeah. Seeing her hold her up and the, her disappointment that you know her effort has hasn't uh, you know paid off in the way that she was hoping, as so many of her efforts don't. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but then the uh, I mean the only moment that stands out in this uh, in this episode really is her physical performance and her slurring speech and her uh, malapropisms when she's getting more and more drunk as she's te- you know drinking this vitamin vegemin over and over again. Yeah. I mean, it's really similar to what we ended up talking about with the the Mary Tyler Moore Mary show, Tyler Moore. where it all builds to this long scene. Actually, I mean, it's a fairly long take that they give, you know, yeah. over to the physical comedy in in the Mary Tyler Moore episode of her trying not to laugh. <laughs> yeah, and in this one of of Lucy Ricardo getting more and more drunk. Uh, but it it works so well in in what it is, and I almost wish comedy today is is heavily relying on the editing and the cuts you know and the looks right and this is letting the the performance breathe and um letting the the actor you know be be the show as much as the camera angles and and the editing i I mean i think about like a show like the office where so much of the comedy could be like a cut to to jim and just one look from him and and you do laugh i mean i'm not saying that's failed comedy but it's a very different style of comedy than what we're getting from this yeah it um it really is uh it's something to behold <laughs> to watch her go from i mean it's funny even the first time that she delivers the line it's funny it, just the 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 way that the ad that she's supposed to read is written um it's it's pretty silly and uh and she's trying to do this like really peppy thing her eyes are just so huge she has her eyes open <laughs> so wide <laughs> And then, and then as, as the alcohol starts to kick in, um, and pretty quickly things go pretty far south, it's just, um, yeah, it's just genius, uh, and, and absolutely worth watching and worth watching multiple times. I have the, the original copy, not as she gets more drunk and starts mixing up all the words and slurring things, but, uh, the ad copy that she's supposed to say is, hello friends, I'm your Vitamita Vegemin girl. Are you tired, run down, listless? Do you poop out at parties? Are you unpopular? The answer to all your problems is in this little bottle, Vitamita Vegemin. Vitamita Vegemin contains vitamins, meat, vegetables, and minerals. Yes, with Vitamita Vegemin, you can spoon your way to health. All you have to do <laughs> is take a tablespoonful after every meal. It's so tasty too. It's just like candy. So why don't you join the thousands of happy peppy people and get a great big bottle of Vitamita Vegemin tomorrow. That's Vitamita Vegemin. <laughs> And so you can imagine with that that dialogue how uh, starting to slur words and mix them up. <laughs> Unpopular. <laughs> yes. uh, allows a lot of opportunities for comedy. So um, as far as like moments that we like for the protagonist, that I mean, there's that one. There's, when she's in the TV and Ricky turns, plugs in the TV and it blows up behind her, that was pretty funny. Yeah. And when she's darning the needles, that's funny. Um but we we also have in our show notes every single time that we do a, an episode we have these other questions written down that we often don't get to um, or we don't get to all of them and I think maybe there's some interesting discussion to be had about some of these. So question number one: What motivates the character throughout the story? Um, what do you think? 
I mean, her her desire is to be on TV, right? Yeah. I mean, that's yeah. I mean, that, that's her only goal in this, it, it, and she manipulates events <laughs> to to make it happen. She goes behind her husband's back to get there. So, I mean, that's that's the primary thing is is that you know she she has this she what she sees is an opportunity because she overhears her husband talking and she just wants to make sure that it is it becomes her opportunity. So, and my question, my next question then would be: uh, Does the 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 desire to um, the desire to be on TV is this some kind of reflection uh, or manifestation of maybe some uh, deeper desire motivation that she has that maybe runs through the series? I mean, her as a character. So, inside of this episode, it's about getting on TV, but in, in the series as a character. Um, Lucy, what's her name? Ricardo. Um, what does she want in general as a character? I mean, like I said, I've not seen enough episodes to, to say like what is her arc throughout the entire series. But I think from what I've seen, she becomes fixated on on things that she wants to do herself or wants to see happen, and she she overcomes whatever obstacles are in her way. So. I, I don't think there's... I mean, this was an era where everything was very episodic. You would rarely have overarching, you know, storylines that would carry from one episode to the next in any series. Right. In that era. So I, I guess what you see is... Um, I don't... I, don't I, I would guess if you watched a lot of episodes, it would seem like she was very flighty <laughs> and uh, unfocused. But really what you're seeing is that she becomes incredibly focused on on a desire and she'll do anything to, to get that done. And it leads to all sorts of hijinks and shenanigans and tomfoolery, which is where the delight comes in for the audience. Yeah, there's something very quixotic in her as a character. Um, the I think that the opening scene with the darning, uh, um, well, it's sort of a funny kind of opening bit. I think that it says, I think that it's not accidental, um, but there does seem to be this kind of dissatisfaction with just being a housewife. Mm-hmm. And um, and these adventures that she has when she fixates on something, um, I also haven't seen you know very many of these episodes all the way through. I'm by no means <laughs> an expert on this, but it seems like uh, a lot of what she's trying to do is not be a you know regular housewife yeah i mean she wants she wants more out of life than that Mm -hmm. um and so this is one opportunity for her to do something um that she feels like is extraordinary out of out of the ordinary um in in the in the most kind of literal sense of that term like she uh, I think she's bored with ordinary life, and and when you see her as a character and the energy that she has and this kind of loopy kind of craziness, you can see how she would be bored with um, what what seems like you know the drudgery of uh, fixing Ricky's breakfast every morning and darning his socks. Um, it just the world that world is so foreign to her from the very beginning when she's trying to you know darn the socks and she she closes up the top part and. Yeah. And he seems kind of mildly annoyed at it, but also, um, like you said, really loves her. <laughs> yeah. Like he makes a joke about it to make it okay. Right. Yeah, he says, I'll use it like a black, as a blackjack. Yeah, or, uh, <laughs> like he swings yeah. it up and down. <laughs> um, but, yeah, but he says that when he sees that she's actually upset about having messed this up 
Which I, I like what you said where it's not accidental that we have this kind of domestic thing that goes wrong. As showing some maybe dissatisfaction with that, but it also shows her nature is that, you know, she tries to do these things over and over again in the series, I think, but they, they never turn out <laughs> as planned. You were going to say something, Andrew? Yeah, I, I, that's basically what I was going to say. Like, I've seen probably fewer episodes than, than either of you. Um, but, like, in the end, doesn't she usually kind of pursue this this dream out of the ordinary thing and then kind of fail miserably and comically at it? Yeah. And, and <laughs> I mean, that's I think the that end that's... of the episode. Is, is, is every time she pursues something, she can't do it effectively. Yeah, I, I think... I don't know. It's a really interesting... It's it's an interesting thing to think about because on the one hand, it is very subversive, and this is she's certainly not a June Cleaver, right? Yeah, <laughs> not by any stretch of the thing. And the thing that's funny is how um, how dissimilar she is from the other you know leading female uh, characters of her time. Um, but at the same time, it all it always kind of seems to end in disaster. This ends a, a complete disaster for her. Um, but there's something. Uh, I mean, it's, it's interesting that the the paragraph that you read at the beginning about how you know feminist critics see this as such a landmark show uh, because of her subversion, even though she is kind of a mad woman in the attic. I mean, she's she's seen as kind of crazy and flighty, and that's wh- how she's able to get away with her subversion. Um, where if she were like calculating, I mean, this isn't the doll's house, right? Yeah. If she were calculating and saying, "I hate being a woman," and or "I hate being a, a housewife," and um, and so I'm going to leave my husband or you know do something really bad, I, I would not have been seen by seventy percent of households in 1952. Right. Um, but because because of her kind of silliness, she gets away with the subversion, uh, which is really interesting. Yeah, and I I, I mean I think of other shows like The Honeymooners, like you see characters who get in the these crazy situations. And then the end kind of everything resets to exactly what it was. Um, and this just happens to have a different, different focus, uh, for how the crazy situations are going to be out. It's not from the children in the family, <laughs> you know, it's not from the husbands, you know, trying to get out of work or whatever it may be. It's just, you know, it, it's her getting fixated on something and, and it goes awry. But then at the end we always reset to the, you know, we know that this is status a, quo. Yeah. A, a loving status quo. Yeah. Um, so next question, what actions define the character? Well, in this case, it, it's her willingness to to overcome adversity, right? You know, she she has her goal, and you know she will ignore her husband's warnings not to do it. She will manipulate uh, the the friend so that the other actress doesn't get the call and that she can go take it. <laughs> you know, take the role. She she will drink a bottle of alcoholic beverage. <laughs> uh, you know, and and so she is very. Um, you know, stay on target. You know, the Star Wars. She, she's going to stay on target to... <laughs> to <laughs> stay on target. Know. Stay on target. And then if she gets shot and destroyed like the guy that's staying on target. Yes. <laughs> Star Wars. Yeah, Is that the, Porkins the... in Star Wars that gets blown up? No, Porkins died earlier. Oh, that was Red okay. Leader, I think, was, was staying <laughs> on target. Until he's Red Leader. Anyway. Uh, the word that keeps coming back to my mind when I think of, of Lucy is, um, is quixotic. Mm -hmm. There is this definite kind of, um, I mean, the beginning of Don Quixote, uh, he's reading all of these, um, chivalric romances and they dry up his brains. He goes crazy and, and, um, he goes out and has crazy adventures and, uh, and that's exactly what happened. I mean, Lucy is 
sort of crazy. And that's why we love her. Um, and I think that's really, I just think it's a really interesting thing how she's able to subverse, sub, sub what am I saying? Sub, subvert. Subvert, thank you. <laughs> she's able to subvert um, this character type uh, because of this craziness. Um, that at the same that now when we look back on it we go what a comedic genius. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I think and, she was certainly recognized awesome. as a comedic genius in her day. Like that's right. Yeah, know. yeah. I I I just I think it's what, I think it's awesome. What do you think it does to the audience that she it never works out exactly right for her? I don't know. I, it would be interesting to have seen more than just this one episode. Yeah. <laughs> Um, to see how it plays out in other in other cases, um, but I mean, we have other characters that are are like this that are always scheming and always trying to do it, but it never works out right. And in this case, it's not like a sinister scheming. I mean, you, like, we certainly see those characters who always have like side deals that they're trying to you know work out right. some personal benefit. But it doesn't feel like this is you know an egotistical. Even though it's her goal is to be on TV, it doesn't feel like it's some you know narcissistic egotistical you know journey that she's on which i don't know how she's able to do that and not make it feel that way but it doesn't (laughs) (laughs) you know it doesn't feel selfish even though when you break it down by the plot it is right and i and i don't know i I just there are so many times i wish i had a time machine and i could just go back and like you know sit in my sit in my grandma's living room with her and watch this and see her reaction um, I just think it would be so interesting because it's so hard to not carry uh, all of the baggage that I have, you know, from, you know, the, what, 33 years of watching TV and reading stuff and thinking about stuff. So I don't know. I don't know what to make of it. I really don't. Uh, but I think it's, I think it's fascinating that she can go and have this, have this little adventure. Uh, it's like crazy, crazy, ha, 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 laugh, laugh, laugh. And we know that tomorrow or next week when this comes out again, um, she'll be back at home um, and everything's you know back to normal. There will be no mention of the fact that... <laughs> she was on TV and messed up her husband's you know commercial. Yes, on live TV. <laughs> like, there are no repercussions. Once their 25 minutes is over, then, uh, then the clock resets. Everything goes back to normal. And we get to see another adventure. It's almost like... I mean, it's like time doesn't matter. It would be interesting to see how the baby thing plays out, because 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 that's know, one where the, there's they're clearly altering the, you know, the continuity of the show. Right. I mean, it's it's a way to like mark time. Yeah. Right. In a way that there. I mean, I don't know that there is any other way to mark time through this series, I've, except that now she's like mildly pregnant, and then she'll be you know moderately pregnant, and then she'll be very <laughs> pregnant, and then she'll have a baby. Right. <laughs> Um, but especially in these early episodes, it's like time doesn't matter. You could watch these in any order. Right. I've been um, uh, listening to Mission Log. I've mentioned this one a couple times where they go episode right. by episode through Star Trek. And when they're talking about the 1960s Star Trek, they mention sometimes that it's almost frustrating that they never refer to anything that happened before. Where right. it's like, well, why don't we stop this, you know? alien monster the same way we stopped this other alien monster that was doing the same thing last season <laughs> <laughs> you know, but but they never say that and, right or, or sometimes they they treat like this you know a, a godlike being as like the first time they've encountered a godlike being but if you're watching every episode they've already seen three of them right <laughs> and uh, it seems like i love lucy you know at least it feels like that would have a similar thing until the baby comes where it's 
every episode is its own self-contained beast. You could read it or, you know, watch them in any order, which would be good for syndication. Right. And that was probably part of the logic of it was the eye towards this being aired in reruns and the, you know, the production studio making money off of those reruns. It's easier if there isn't this intense continuity. And television historically has gone back and forth on this where a show like Lost, you know, becomes a cultural phenomenon because of the tight continuity and and the obsessive need to watch every episode and talk about it online. Uh, But I know the network had expressed concern about their ability to sell this into syndication afterwards. Yeah. It's a, I I was listening to an episode of um, Back to Work just today and they were talking about these new um, like Netflix originals like Daredevil where they just pump, they just, they'll just push a whole season uh, in one, you know, like at midnight on April 10th, they'll just push a whole, a whole new season of Daredevil Um, and how it changes uh, the way that stories are told. It also makes me think of something like the Marvel Cinematic Universe where uh, there's almost this like revelry in complex issues of continuity and referencing things from the past. And even like the new Star Trek, uh, the J.J. Abrams Star Trek films that, are, that take so much joy in pointing out we're aware of what happened before even in the original series. And, and even and, though these characters aren't aware, we know that you, the audience, you know, know it. We know that you know, you know. Uh-huh. So, uh, so anyway, it's just, it's a it's a really interesting kind of different take on storytelling. Um, the, the thing that they were that they were pointing out on on Back to Work today that Merlin Mann was pointing out is that um, if you were in 1952 and you wanted to watch I Love Lucy, you, <laughs> there's no way for you to go back and like binge watch the first thing get all caught up on what's happening they had to be self-contained and they had to be kind of simple because of the delivery mechanism right well and so yeah that's it's totally it's a it's a we have a completely different paradigm now in which um we get really frustrated if we don't have every single season of our favorite show um or somebody mentions a new season and we say oh yeah or a new show oh yeah go back and uh, all of once upon a time is on netflix or all of whatever uh, show is on Netflix, and you can start from the beginning. Um, well, and we get frustrated if the show doesn't honor its own continuity, right? Whereas that you would not have had that expectation. Not, not even. It, I mean, it was. It wasn't even a thought. I mean, I don't think it was because of the way that it was delivered, weekly or nightly. Um, and once it's, it's almost like a play. Yeah. <laughs> At that point, like once it's, once that performance is over. It's done, and there's no way for you to go back and watch it. You just hope that that they'll rerun it at some point. This, um, in looking at some information about this particular episode, this episode got more feedback requesting a repeat airing than any other episode that they'd done. Yeah. Anyway, it's a it's a really interesting it's a really interesting thing. So I think we've answered the question: Does the character change? <laughs> yeah, no, not, but it, it's deliberate. It, it's the style. Like you need that context right. of how the episodic storytelling was being done at that time. Yeah, this is not nearly as frustrating to me as maybe a recent character that we talked about <laughs> who also did not change over the course of her uh, of her story. But um, that seemed more frustrating to me. So this last question that we have written here, I think, is really interesting. What legitimately makes this character better? than other characters in this story or in other stories. I, I think so much of this one has to go to the performance by Lucille Ball. I mean, 
I agree. You you could give other actresses this role and it would not be iconic. It wouldn't it wouldn't stand up, you know, decades later as a classic bit of comedic acting. The way I just you even if you only go watch the Vitamita Vegemin commercial listeners, if you've never seen it, <laughs> go on YouTube and find the five minute sequence of her try you know, doing the, the repeated takes of of uh this this commercial and it is just a tour de force of acting. Yeah, absolutely. Um which is interesting because I, I mean the question says what legitimately what legitimately makes this character better than other characters in this story or in other stories, um, and and as far as like a character is I don't know it's interesting to try to separate uh, a character from the actress playing her, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um. So Luce, so Lucy Ricardo as a character in the hands of some other actress, I think uh, would be immensely unlikable. <laughs> I think so too. <laughs> I think Joseph touched on it earlier. Something that is very special, and and it is the character is written this way, but also the performance makes it actually happen. Is she is non arrogantly ambitious for this opportunity? Yeah. And and either the writing or the acting could ruin that, but together they make this character have that trait. Yeah. There's a it's a clip I see anytime I'm looking at a Superman documentary or anything about Superman they they mention that uh George Reeves who was playing Superman in the Adventures of Superman in the 1950s he appeared as Superman in an episode of I Love Lucy. <laughs> and uh there's a joke at the end where Lucy's all dressed up like Superman and uh George Reeves though like you know has seen the way she is and is exasperated like I think she's out on a ledge at the end and he looks at uh, Ricky Ricardo he says you married her and, and, and Ricky says yeah and, and, and Superman says well you're the real Superman <laughs> <laughs> you know to you know implying that you know it must be it takes superhuman effort to to uh, endure a marriage to Lucy because of all the yeah. insane shenanigans that she gets into uh, but she remains, uh, you know, famous and iconic and lovable, despite the insanity that she causes all around her. Yeah. So I'm. So I'm. I'm looking then at the last part of this question. That says, "What makes her better than other characters in this story or in other stories?" So are there? I mean, are there um, other characters that we could sort of put her up against? I mean, it would be the 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 1950s sitcom characters. I think would be part of it. Um, I recently watched an episode of Gilmore Girls where, uh, they, they're talking about the Donna Reed show, which is another 1950s sitcom. And the main actress was, was Donna Reed and, uh, Lorelai and Roy Gilmore are kind of dismissive of her and like watching this in a way to mock the 1950s ideal of femininity. Uh, and Roy though, at the end, after she has a fight with her boyfriend <laughs> about uh, about this, at the end she says, "You know, I looked into Donna Reed, and actually, she wasn't just this character in front of the screen. She was a writer and a producer on her own TV show, and she was actually she changed the way Hollywood did did quite a few things. Um, and and so, similarly with with Lucille Ball, I, our idea of, of Lucy Ricardo is also Lucille Ball." And I think it's really hard to separate our knowledge of everything that she did behind the scenes uh, and how famous she is within Hollywood, not just because of her comedic skills, but because of her business savvy and her role as a producer on, you know, other really iconic and famous TV series. 
it's it's just it's all i think culturally become connected i wonder like in the pantheon how she would stand up um with you know like tina fey or amy poehler or i mean i'm trying to think of other like great female comedians Mm -hmm. and what um what they have in common what would separate them I don't know. I'm, not, I'm like so far out of my depth on this, that, <laughs> but but I think it's interesting to kind of to think about those those things. Yeah, and I, I don't I, I don't know what the answer is, but I don't know. It's because I immediately went to like comparing her to other 1950s sitcom housewives, which I think I mean Mary Tyler Moore was one in the Dick Van Dyke Show, yeah, uh, and that show focused on you know his more on him uh, as a writer, uh, you know, for another TV show. But she certainly had her own adventures as, uh, as, as his wife. So I don't know. It, it would be interesting to look at this in more depth. I obviously haven't done that in preparation for this podcast. No, in some ways, I mean, I think of it like another character that I, that I could see kind of standing her up against would be somebody like um, uh, Phil in Modern Family, right? Mm-hmm. So who's the uh, husband, um, but who also kind of does these crazy things and seems kind of silly and... Uh, but also kind of lovable, um, and they rarely work out the way. <laughs> and they rarely work out. out the way that he wants. He wants them to, um, but it's but it's funny and uh, everything's forgivable. Um, so I, I I don't know. Like I said, I'm not, by no means. Um, I just don't. I, I haven't consumed. <laughs> I've consumed a lot of stuff, but I haven't a lot. Yeah. I've consumed a lot of 1950s uh, sitcoms. Uh, or even contemporary sitcoms. But I, um, I think it's uh, worth returning to that quote from Thomas Doherty. The, we have this idea of what the 1950s sitcom was, yet one of the most famous 1950s sitcoms is I Love Lucy, which is in no way what, you know, the, the white picket fest, right. uh, the wife at home making the perfect meal for the husband who comes home from work. You know, that's not what we're getting in this show. And, and so there's an, an odd disconnect between what was one of the most iconic and popular in its time and enduringly popular TV series versus our kind of cultural memory of what 1950s uh, idealized television was. I mean, there's even the scene in this, in this episode when they wake up the next morning and she's not talking to him. And he's, he's, uh, Ricky's getting ready for work and he's putting on his tie and Lucy's in bed in her, in her nightgown still. He says, uh, so Lucy, did you make my breakfast? And she kind of stares at him. And he, uh, I just need to know if you made my breakfast. <laughs> this is no response from her. And, uh, and he's like, he's like really frustrated <laughs> that he doesn't have his breakfast. And, um, and she gets away with it. I mean, he leaves without breakfast. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, that's, I think it's, I don't, I don't know. It's just, there's, uh, interesting stuff to think about. Yeah. And we thought we wouldn't go an hour. Yeah. <laughs> Here we are. That wraps up this episode. Thanks for joining us. Remember, you can subscribe to the Protagonist podcast in iTunes, and we would encourage you to leave a review there. Please do. And it may not seem like much, but it does help to spread the word uh, about our podcast. And if you would like to suggest a character or give us any comments, you can email us at feedback at protagonistpodcast.com, or you can follow us on Twitter at protagonistpod. And each of us are also on Twitter there's at Todd K. Mack and at Jay Dorowski. And our producer, Andrew, is at Andrew underscore Dorowski. And please like our Facebook fan page called Protagonist Podcast. And uh, you can support us also through Patreon. And we would appreciate any and all 
uh, donations. It would help us with uh, server feeds and with the equipment that's necessary to do this podcast. And you can find information about Patreon on protagonistpodcast.com. Thank you again for listening, and we'll be back again next week to talk about another great character and another great story. So long. So long. Well, I I mean, recreate. I don't know if we can recreate that level of perfection, but... (laughs) 